and welcome to another episode of the Three Bid League podcast. As always, I am Tyler, joined by my co-host Matt. And today we're going to kick off the show in a way that we have not at any point through the three plus years of this podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to begin by talking about the Fordham Rams and here to join us to discuss this team that is suddenly competent, Sam Basil of A10 Talk. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Thanks for having me, guys. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know today was such a historic episode. So I'm, I'm, I'm super glad to be a part of it. And I'm so happy to, you know, be talking about Fordham Hoops. Hey, we're happy to have you too. And I will be 100% honest. Most of our time talking about Fordham since we started this podcast has, it hasn't been the kindest to the Rams, but Tyler and I are both genuinely impressed by Fordham's start to the season. And I think you know, it's consensus that the Rams are not the worst team in the A-10 this year. They're looking like they could potentially avoid the bottom four. And so we wanted to learn more about Fordham's good start to the season. So I think first thing, you know, stepping back to the offseason, Fordham made a bit of a splash going after a new young coach, and they got Kyle Neptune from Villanova. So Sam, I'm just curious, you're plugged into the Fordham program. What were your early impressions of that hire? I couldn't have been happier. Uh, you know, when, when, when looking at that, that kind of two-month period uh, from the departure of Coach Neubauer to the hiring of Kyle Neptune, I think what, when, when people were talking about who, who would be a good potential hire, Kyle Neptune uh, was always towards the top of the list because I think he embodied, embodied exactly what the Rams were missing in, in the Neubauer era. Uh, you know, if I can give – some props to Jeff Neubauer. I think one, one of the things that he excelled at was, you know, crafting elite defenses, but especially in a 10 play where the team was severely lacking was uh, just any sort of offense and, and, and any sort of stellar guard play, which I think the a 10 is, has kind of built up a reputation for. And so Kyle Neptune coming from kind of the Jay Wright school of coaching is a perfect fit for Fordham and a perfect fit for Fordham as an A-10 school because, you know, his style is kind of, you know, that four out, uh, you know, getting guys out on the wing, getting a lot of quality looks, a lot of great ball movement. And so far this season, that's exactly what we've seen. Yeah, that's perfect. And that's actually what I was going to bring up next. Just in general, what have you thought about the style of play that Kyle Neptune's brought to Fordham this year? You know, clearly with Jeff Neubauer the last couple of years, it was a very methodical strategy for them. They were one of the slowest teams in the country. This year, it looks like Fordham's been bringing in a little bit more energy. They've got a couple of great, new, exciting guards that we're going to talk about. So overall, do you, you do think that is a good strategy for this roster that Neptune's assembled? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, when you look at some of the guys that Coach Neptune brought in, I, I mean, the only the only three remaining players, I think, on uh, from last year's roster were Chuba Ohams, Josh Navarro, and uh, Kyle Rose. You know, uh, Jalen Cobb, you know, he's hurt this season, so he's probably not going to – he's unlikely to play. But uh, all of the guys that he's brought in, like Darius Cuisenberry, Antonio Day, Antrell Charlton – are all high volume shooters. They're all very fast guards and they're just, you know, they're really great at what they do. Um, and what's, what's excellent too, is that you've seen that kind of style of play trickle down into some of the guys from the Neubauer era. I mean, you look at a guy like Chuba Ohams, who's kind of always been one of the more elite big men in the A-10, in my personal opinion. 
Um, and he, he's almost playing like a point forward this year, and it looks so great for him. I don't know if you guys got, the, got a chance to see the St. John's game last night, but his ball movement has just, has just vastly improved from last year to this year. I mean, he's making these awesome passes from the elbow right to the wing and just, you know, looking for that open man to get a quality shot in. So you mentioned all three of the big stars so far this year, Quisenberry, Day, and Shuba Ohams, who are all actually top five in the A-10 in one of the major statistical categories. Ohams has a three-rebound-a-game lead over Christian Ray right now. Uh, Day is second in the conference in scoring. Quisenberry is fifth. So as a Fordham fan, you haven't seen much in the way of exciting stars the last few years. So between those three – just what has been the most enjoyable part of any of their games? Um, I think it's just been how well they, they, they gel as a team, especially for a lot of, especially for how experienced they are, you know, in division one basketball coming, you know, coming together from three different programs, obviously Chuba from Fordham last year, Darius Quisenberry from Youngstown state and Antonio day from Florida international, how well these guys have been able to come together and, and be a pretty successful team in such a short period of time. You know, they've, they've probably only been teammates for maybe six months now. And I, you know, it's something that coach Neptune talks about. And of course, you know, when you're a coach in a post-game press conference, you're going to talk about, you know, how well your team cares about each other and how much they want to help each other win. But, you know, it's something that you can't really call his bluff out on because you see it on the court. I mean, these guys really love playing with each other and they just, you know, it's, it's, it's really something special that I, I don't think a lot of Fordham fans have seen in a long time. So keeping in mind so far that Fordham has, they've gotten off to a six and four start. They've already knocked off a couple decent mid-majors when they went over to the Gulf, show, Gulf Coast Showcase and went 2-1 and one there. Looking at the Atlantic 10 this year, obviously I think we'd all agree it's going to be tough for Fordham to contend at the top of the league, but do you see any of the better teams in this conference where maybe Fordham has a good matchup and they could potentially pull off an upset like they did against Dayton last year? Yeah, so, you know, Fordham – Fordham's done very well so far this season. Um, you know, I think I think they've they've done an okay job. I mean, their win over Akron was probably has probably been their most impressive win so far, as well as you know their win over Rice. Um, that being said, I do think that this conference is just a really tough uh, league to go into this year, especially you know as 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 much as Fordham is gelling right now. I think you know in the first year of this of this new kind of face of the program. I think it, I think it's going to be tough. My preseason prediction for Fordham uh, was was six and twelve in conference play. And while I do while I do think that you know my my opinion on the team has kind of you know improved, and while I do think that should make their record improve, I was looking at their conference schedule today, and I had a really tough time finding you know maybe like a middle to high tier team uh, that they can really beat. Uh, by no fault of their own, by more of a fault of that, you know, there are some just some really good teams in the Atlantic 10 this year. If I could pick one, I might have to go Richmond. Uh, Richmond has kind of been always one of those schools, you know, as, as experienced as they are and as good as they are, um, they, they tend to be a bit inconsistent. And, you know, they, 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 they kind of drop a lot of games that they should be winning. I mean, you look at that Northern Iowa game uh, a, couple, a couple nights ago, 
And um, so I think maybe Fordham is one of those teams that could maybe sneak a win off of them. Uh, maybe Dayton again this year, as good as Dayton is, uh, Dayton is a very young team. So I think if, if Fordham has any advantage over Dayton this year, I think it would be experience. I mean, you've got guys playing in their fifth, sixth year, you know, due to red shirting and, and COVID ineligibility. Um, but other than that, I think it's just, you know, their main goal this year should be avoiding the pillow fight. Uh, you know, getting that, getting that first round by over schools that I think they really could beat uh, and could be twice in, you know, George Washington, LaSalle, uh, Duquesne, and maybe they can even pull off. I think they could pull off at least one win against Mason. I believe they play each other twice this year. And I think, you know, I think both programs, you know, with, with Kyle Neptune at Fordham and with Kim English at, at Mason, I think they're both kind of in uh, similar stages of their development where I, where I think that that home and away series is going to be really close. So, yeah, and I, I think that's fair. I guess just to jump in real quick, you know, I, I before the season, I said if Fordham finishes 11th or 12th and avoids last place, that, that should be looked at as a success, considering that they lost just about everybody from last year. They, I mean, really didn't have a whole lot to build off of in the first place. But what do you think about, you know, the, you looking at the future, looking at the next couple of years, do you think Kyle Neptune and this staff and this foundation he's building – I guess what's your expectation of how long it's going to take before Fordham is competing with some of the bigger schools in the A-10 where they could maybe win some of those games? So that's a great question because I think when you look at uh, how exciting this team is, the major downside is that a lot of these guys are so old. So this, mm-hmm. this team is, 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 is not really, uh, in terms of the roster, is not really built to last. So I think the real test – for Kyle Neptune and his staying power at Fordham is going to happen over the next two to three years. Uh, when, when, when he, when he, you know, creates, you know, his first real recruiting class that, um, that, you know, will maintain this identity that he's built so far. And I think, I think, uh, you know, fans should be optimistic. I mean, they've got the only major commit that they've had uh, so far this year is Will Richardson, who's a uh, guard from Bergen Catholic which is a pretty uh, prominent Catholic basketball program in New Jersey. Uh, so that kind of, a move like that is something where I'm like, okay, Kyle Neptune knows his stuff because he's a New York guy. Uh, you know, the New York, the New York basketball scene, especially with the Catholic schools is really is, you know, one that's really strong, probably one of the best mm-hmm. in the country. So as long as he can, you know, keep bringing in those, those exciting recruits, I think Fordham, especially in the Northeast and especially in the New York area has, uh, you know, kind of a fan base that is, is really ready to kind of come out of the woodwork and, and, and rally behind this school. So I would say maybe, you know, in two to three years' time is when we can really come back and take and, and give Kyle Neptune an actual, you know, legitimate report card. So I'll pull it back here to try to grade Neptune a little bit in the first season. Um, you mentioned the older team. This is a team that is set up to win some games in the A-10 this year. So I'll, let's say I take a look into the crystal ball here and I come back and say, hey, Sam, Fordham's going to finish 8-10. and 10. They're going to f- avoid the pillow fight. What do you think is going to happen in that scenario that causes them to finish outside of the top four, whether it's either a, a player kind of stepping up from where they're at now just the team getting really good or getting better at something. 
what's the path to success in the short term? I think the path is just getting at least one win in the Atlantic 10 tournament. Uh, you know, I think, I think Fordham, you know, the Atlantic 10 tournament, uh, in my opinion, is probably one of the toughest college tournaments. Uh, just because I feel like seeding, uh, you know, you know, you've got, you've got schools like the bot, you got Bonnie's and St. Louis and, uh, and Dayton. And in that kind of mill area, uh, the, the quarterfinals of the Atlantic 10 tournament every year can be, you know, such a gauntlet. And I've always seen, you know, uh, you know, some, some, some really crazy upsets that you weren't expecting all season. So I think if Fordham can pull that off and get maybe a win or two and maybe even, you know, get as, get as far as the, as the semifinals of the Atlantic 10 tournament, I think that would, you know, be the best result that you could ask for, uh, for, for these Fordham Rams, maybe even an invitation to one of those, you know, kind of minor invitational tournaments like the CBI. Uh, I, I totally see that, you know, yeah, you know, on, on Fordham's table in the, in the very near future. Hey, I mean, Tyler and I have talked about that many times. We want to see an A-10 team return to the CBI and, you know, maybe you guys won't be the only Rams hanging a banner for a CBI championship. You can join VCU. You never know. Yeah. And, you know, say what you will about the CBI. I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, if you're someone who kind of watches, you know, just just the big boys of college basketball, you know, people make 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 fun of those tournaments. I mean, the NIT, uh, the NIT has kind of become sort of a derogatory chant in a lot of uh, power five schools. But I think right now, in in terms of where this Fordham program is, uh, that that is just that is a totally reasonable and totally, you know, positive goal that I think a lot of fans should strive for, because even if you're not you know competing for an NCAA championship, Playing in one of those tournaments gives your team just more games to play at the end of the season and more time for your program to get that, that serious exposure that you need to build recruits and, and get wins. Yeah. And I, well, I mean too, I, you know, I made fun of ECU there, but that was back before they were a big name in college basketball. I want to say their CBI championship was, it might've been the year before they went to the final four. It was around that same time period. And, if Fordham were to make any postseason tournament, that would be, I think, a really big stepping stone, building that program up, getting it out of the bottom of the A-10. And I just think that would be a huge positive step in the right direction. I mean, they made one under Neubauer. And, yeah. I, you know, I think, I think we're in a much better place uh, with Neptune already than we were with Neubauer over the past five years. So I, 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 I wouldn't be shocked. Even the fact that the CBI is being mentioned, that would be the best result for Fordham in 29 years. They've, they, as you mentioned, they did make the CIT in 2016. And fun little nugget that we'll throw in, Fordham's lost their last three postseason games, all to teams in the state of Massachusetts. Boston University in the first round of the 2016 CIT and back-to-back losses to UMass, 1992 NCAA tournament first round, 1991 NIT second round. Yeah, so it's, it's been a long time coming. I mean, I look at those banners in Rose Hill Gym all the time. The men's banner specifically. Uh, you know, I mean, the women's program has been great. Under Women has real banners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I look at those banners and I, you know, I think like, man, no one, no one at this, no student at this school was even born when, when the Fordham men's team last raised a banner. So, I mean, I think, I think, you know, that's something they should definitely be striving for. 
All right. Well, I guess, you know, one more question I have looking at the future of the Fordham Rams. Obviously, it is an experienced team. A lot of these guys won't be here next year or the year after that. One guy, Tyler, and I were really interested in going into the season. And honestly, I just haven't heard much. So I wanted to get your insight on this. Maybe you know more. But over the offseason, Fordham made a really interesting recruiting signing. They got Zach Riley, who is one of the best prospects out of New Zealand. He was set to redshirt or um, sit out the first half of the season and be eligible in the second semester. I'm just curious, do you know anything about him? Is he going to be practicing with the team and expected to contribute this year? Or is there just not much to know yet so far? So to be honest, I haven't heard much about Zach. Uh, I, I, I think he's one of those signings that fans should be excited for. Um, but I think right now, as much as this, this year can be written off as kind of a transitionary period and one where mm-hmm. Coach Neptune can kind of ex, uh, experiment, at 6-3 and three right now, I think they are kind of in a, you know, let's get some wins and let's, let's keep working with what we've been working on, uh, which means, you know, a lot of the, the bulk of the minutes going to guys like Chuba, Darius, and Antonio. So I think, I think it's going to be kind of a work in progress as Coach Neptune kind of reaches a bit deeper into his rotation. So unfortunately, I can't really give you guys, you know, uh, a, a big, a big uh, you know, breakdown of, of what Zach has to offer because, frankly, I haven't, I haven't really been able to see much. Yeah, and that's fair. I just, I just remember seeing that over the offseason. Like, wow, like Fordham's getting one of the best international recruits of the season. And that already, I mean – and you mentioned Fordham's other recruit coming in next year. It seems like Neptune's done a pretty good job on that so far. I think his New York connection is going to help with that a lot, bringing in some new talent the next couple of years. But just remember seeing that pop up a few months ago and thinking, wow, that seems like a really big get for Fordham. Yeah, I mean, and in terms of, you know, reaching into New York recruits, I say, I, I say this on the A10 Talk podcast all the time because it's something that's bothered me for so long. Uh, Fordham needs to stop losing top New York recruits to Dayton. If they're going to go to UNC, fine. If they're going to go to St. John's, fine. But you can't lose guys to Dayton. Malachi Smith and Scoochie Smith can't keep coming into Rose Hill Gym and, you know, having a packed house full of Dayton fans. So hopefully that's something Coach Neptune can, you know, rectify in the future. Yeah, well, you guys can have the next one. We're going we're gonna to keep Malachi, though, I think, yeah. for the next couple of years. Understandable. <laughs> So we'll close it out with a few quick rapid fire questions here. Does Chuba O'Hams lead the A-10 in rebounding this season? No, I believe it's Grant Golden. Ooh, okay. Bold. Golden. Golden struggled this year, but you could definitely see it. You could definitely see it happening. Um, will we see Kyle Neptune in open-toed shoes at any point during practice? That is a great question. I, I, I don't believe so. Although I will say he's kind of broken, uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, uh, coaching uh, apparel, uh, you know, decorum in a great way. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have been able to see, but he's really been rocking the turtlenecks on court this season. I did season. see that against St. John's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, by way of either a bye or winning a pillow fight game, does Fordham get to the second round of the A-10 tournament this season? Yes. All right. Some optimism there from Sam Basil. Sam, where can everybody find your work? So you can find me. I write for a couple of websites right now. Uh, mainly I'm on 810 Talk. 
covering everything you need to know about Fordham hoops. I'm also the host of the A10 Talk podcast. We try and get that out as mu- as much as we can, where we have all of our writers, uh, you know, give give their thoughts on all their teams. I also write uh, a, a general A10 uh, column and a New York City college hoops column for HouseEnterprise.com. Uh, that's House Enterprise and College Hoops Digest. And uh, whenever I'm not putting out an article, I'm probably, you know, complaining about uh, Fordham Hoops or the Knicks on Twitter at Sam Juan two eight seven eight. So that's that's pretty much everywhere you could find me. Yeah, go go find this guy putting out some great work on Fordham. And, you know, we can't say that about many people. Sam, one of the best covering the Rams. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. All right, another thank you to Sam Basil of A10 Talk for joining us. Uh, we want to hit a few quick things before we get out of here. The net ratings just came out. We're going to take a look at a few of our predictions now that we're about six weeks into the season. Some things that we know for sure that we got right on our more bold prediction side and some that we are ready to basically atone for at this point that we know that we got wrong. And then we're going to play a fun round of where he at with the addition of all guys who are still in college. We've had plenty of transfers the last few years. Some are doing very interesting things in terms of putting together great work, possible all-conference guys in their new place, and some who have just basically fallen off the face of the earth. So, Matt, I guess we'll start with the net rankings here. Um, What really stood out to you besides the fact that St. Bonaventure just came in alarmingly low for a team that I really haven't downgraded at all just simply because they had – one mediocre loss they're all the way down at 88 yeah i would say overall the net rankings weren't very kind to the a10 although it's not that surprising when you look at it and i guess before we go into saint bonaventure there's still seven top 100 teams which is pretty standard for the a10 the problem is there's nobody in the top 50 davidson's the highest at 54 so not the best for at large considerations but it's December, like early December. I'm not that worried. But looking at St. Bonaventure, their Charleston Classic wins are all just kind of not aging that well. You got Boise State, who lost to St. Louis. They've lost to a couple other low majors this year. I think Clemson's lost four out of five or something like that. And then you look at that Northern Iowa loss, I'm sure that's going to get better, but right now St. Bonaventure is their only Division One win, so Northern Iowa is like 240th or something, solidly a Q4 game, and I think that's going to hurt St. Bonaventure a little bit more than we realized initially. This isn't really the Northern Iowa team from a couple years ago that should have gone to the Sweet 16. They're kind of having a rough year. Yeah, and it... To me, the biggest issue, like you said, no top 50 teams. You're going to be able to get Q2 wins in the A-10, but there might not be much in the way of Q1 opportunities, especially for Bonaventure, if we assume that they're the team that's going to take a jump up. And just looking ahead into, we basically got about a week and a half left of non-conference. Maybe the best opportunity left for the A-10 as a whole to get a win ironically 
is Davidson with what is right now a Q1 home game against Loyola. Conference game. Early conference game. Yeah, yeah. the Ramblers are are all the way up at 25. Yeah, Davidson's interesting. They, they don't have any Q2 or Q1 wins, but you know what they do? I mean, they pull off McKillop specials. They beat bad teams by lots of points, and it boosts them up. And then... You know, their their losses are at San Francisco, which, I mean, the WCC is really strong. Like, the WCC is honestly what we want the A-10 to be, and it's just not. Um, and then they lost to New Mexico State, who's a Q3 loss, and hopefully that gets a little bit better, but uh, it's it's actually borderline. It's very close to being Q2. So, now Davidson's in decent shape, surprisingly. I, I don't know. I still think with it being early December, though. I mean, remember a couple years ago when Duquesne was, like, 17th in the net because they were, like, 7-0? and I, I don't know how important this is yet. It's definitely not a good sign, but I also don't think it's, like, a crisis for the A-10. Well, what we're going to find is there's, like, five or six teams in the top 30 that are going to fall off immediately. Because you, especially because you get some low majors that end up high up early on right when it comes out and then they lose one game to just basically anyone and they just tumble 30 spots well yeah like did you look at vcu's team sheet because i got some bad news for the rams uh wagner and chattanooga are not going to stay quad one games not for very long but also syracuse is going to be better than a q3 game like it's too early to freak out about all of these so I don't know. I don't think it matters all that much yet. Yeah, it is, it's the time for overreacting right now. <laughs> I, I do think the biggest surprise is St. Bonaventure, though. 88th, like, I figured they'd be... I, I don't know what I thought. I didn't think they'd be top 50 because I knew some of their wins were not looking as great the last week or so, but I, I'm, not, I'm not overly concerned yet. Too early to get too concerned with the net although it is fun that it's out it's something to talk about look at fordham fordham is 170th they would not be a q4 loss if you go at the rose hill gym that's a pretty that's a nice change it's good to know for dayton who's trying to keep the q4 losses does, off the docket right now does dayton go to fordham this year i, I hope don't not think so thank goodness i don't think so but it had to be said for the memes yeah, I did. All right. Well, I, I don't have too many other takes on the net. Do you? I mean, that's. No. I think that. That's, I think that's we our just have to cover this because I think we've talked about this the night it camp the night it's come out all four years of the pod. So we got to keep it going. Yeah, tradition. All right. Well, I think now we, you know, this was your idea for this next segment. We can talk about some predictions. Look at maybe uh, take a couple victory laps on what we got right. Also apologize for what we got wrong and before we start i will admit it i looked back at some of our preseason pods i looked at my notes from those i sure didn't get very much right like especially in the way of bold predictions so maybe i'll let you go first on this because i'm not feeling very good about all the research i did over the summer so i'm in a tough spot because there's we'll get to our negatives in a minute but basically it was the idea of what do you want to beg for forgiveness of? What do you want the slate to be wiped okay. clean on so that you can't be made fun of, of later? 
And I have a lot of things that are wrong right now that I still believe in. Like VCU is a top four team. I'm not writing that off yet. If they get ace back, I feel really good about that. Um, Duquesne not making the pillow fight. But there's really only two things. We'll get to that in a second. Um, For me, I'm going to take my victory lap already on two guys that I had in the top 10 here in our top 21 players pod. And then I put them both on preseason second team all A-10. Tyler Burton, who leads the conference in scoring right now, um, he's actually just simply playing better than Blake Francis. Not only has he replaced him, he's been an improvement for him. And Richmond's offense has been really shaky so far. the ball movement just kind of wasn't there against Northern Iowa in the way that it normally is. Teams are sealing the passing lanes off and Burton's hero ball has basically been the savior of the spiders this year. Things could have been a lot worse for them so far, but we've talked about him plenty. The other one is Noah Fernandes is just a no doubter top 10 player in this league right now. And if UMass is in contention for a double buy, he very well could make the first team. 16.4 points a game, five assists, three rebounds. Um, his rebounding is actually down from last year by about one a game. But the scoring's way up. He's shooting 38.5% from three. More importantly, he's shooting 48% from the field overall on a big-time 11.5 attempts. And he's got a swagger going to him. Late in the first half against Harvard, he, he truly tried to – pull a Trey Young there. Now, maybe it's the fact that Trey Young's had that hairstyle before and they're both small guards who are 11, but he started taking pull-up threes once he, once he got in rhythm. And I was fully ready to see him shimmy if he made one more. Um, he's been so fun this year. He's a top three-point guard in the league, no doubt. And I'll just go ahead and just lock him in to one of the top two all A-10 teams, even without a conference game having been played. You know, I actually think Fernandes is probably my best pick, too. I just opened up our top 21 players spreadsheet where I was typing them all in as we recorded that, and I had him the highest out of everybody. I said he was the 11th best player, which, he, yeah, he's even better than that so far this year. So that's a good one. Oh, did one. I have him 12? I thought I had him 10. You had him uh, 14th. Oh. So well, maybe you I bumped him up to second team when I made the when I made my final predictions. So well, see that's the problem though. I had Tyler Burton like twelfth, and then I think when I made all conference teams, I got cold feet and moved him out because I'm like Richmond's not going to put three guys on there. So <laughs> I, I, got, I don't know. I wouldn't put him on the first team even though I wanted to. Yeah, I don't know. Looking at my like bold takes from before the season, like going into this, I was thinking, oh, Luka Brakovic. I said he was like a top fifteen player and. He's averaging like 12 and a half and seven. So kind of the same as he's always done. And then I'm thinking, oh, I, I called out Terrence Hargrove as a huge breakout player. But I mean, he's averaging nine points a game. Like, that's fine. He, he's still really good. I think I'm going to take a victory lap on putting Devontae Gaines on my all defense team, just because I don't think any George Mason fans knew who that was going into the season. And I did, so. I'm pretty happy with that one. He's just been one of my favorite players to watch, even though George Mason's kind of been stinky the last three weeks. So I think that's what I'm going to take. I'm, I'm happy that I, I called out Devontae Gaines early on 
and that he's been a big impact player for Mason. Other than that, I, I don't have very much in in the way of good picks. Yeah, the, he's been really, really fun to watch. Um, I don't know if he'll make all defensive team just because I'm not sure Mason's team defense will be good enough, but he's definitely going to be on like that 10-man shortlist for the five spots. No doubt. Yeah, I, I think he should. But anyway, I, I have a couple bad picks. I mean, I can start with that if you're ready. Uh, I had GW ninth. I should have learned my lesson after you did that two years ago, but I, I didn't. I believed in the talent, and it's just not there. I mean, GW is – I don't want to say they're definitely the worst team, team in the A-10, but they're definitely bottom two. Oh, yeah, because I guess LaSalle sucks too. But They're really bad too. <laughs> yeah, GW's an atrocity. Um, I feel very good about picking them 14th but I don't find that bold enough to take a victory lap on. Um, so for me, like I said, there's a lot of things like Richmond's offense is really starting to concern me, but I'm not going to take the right off there. I'm not going to take the right off on the spiders making the NCAA tournament. Um, I feel bad about it, but there's still hope. Um, there's some little things like I felt like SLU could be decent, but the reasons why have been completely off. I guess the fact that I didn't talk about Gibson Jimerson at all, mm. even I didn't even have him as a thought in my head on the top 21 list. We all um, missed him though. We're, yeah. we're going to have to talk about him more in depth later because he basically just looks like poor man's Javante Perkins. Yeah, exactly. He's right really good this year. Like I, I don't, maybe he just needed the ball more, but my God, he looks good. Um, and I can't believe that he just wasn't doing any of this last year. Uh, the big one, I guess I'll just hit it as a whole. Like, Davidson's not finishing in the bottom half. No. They're the and number one team I, in the A-10. I think they're a little overhyped right now, but, like, they're going to find their way into the four-five-six zone. At least, um, I think. It's – we ended up with summer Olympic qualifier South Korean national team, Hyung Jun Lee. Not February, how the hell can this man not make a three anymore, Hyung Jun Lee? And I was betting that it was going to be closer to the, to the earlier one. Um, he's been sensational. Lawyer's been pretty good. Um, not a stud, but they haven't needed him to be a stud so far. I hedged and put, putting them at eighth was my hedge. I wanted to boldly take them like, a, like 10th or 11th. But because of McKillop, I went higher with him, and I was still way too low. Yeah, I guess I'll take a victory lap, a small victory lap on Hyung Jun Lee. I mean, a lot of people liked him before the season, but I did too. And he, what did he have, 32 against Charlotte or something? He's really turning into that volume scorer that I was hoping for. So that's what Davidson needed. They needed a gunner. I think he's such a good shooter that he's got to just force it a little bit more. And that, that was a really fun game to watch him play. But I think my last, like, bad, bad prediction, I mean, this one was never published, but I'll just go out and admit that, I mean, you were with me when we were driving home from the Dayton-Austin P game. I said the Flyers weren't going to win 10 games this I held year. back on <laughs> tweeting about this. F. Well, wait, yeah. I thought at one point you put them in last. No, I said they were going to finish, like, 11th or 10th, but I never said they'd finish last. 
I did not think they were going to win 10 games after they started one and three. I, I will admit that. And I'm so happy to be wrong because they are, I, I still think Dayton, like they might be a contender. I don't want to overreact. They, they have a couple big games coming up this week, but if they can beat SMU and just keep it rolling, that, that would be huge. So. I mean, we'll, we'll do, we'll redo our predictions again right before the conference play, but like spoiler alert, I have them at two still. Davidson won. Not yet. Davidson, Davidson might be four right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's actually really tough to come up with like a top four right now. Like I'm still putting Bonaventure there. I'm still putting Richmond there. After that, it's tough. Like you know, Dayton, St. Louis, yeah, VCU maybe Davidson. I still believe in Rody a little bit. There's like seven teams. Ace is coming back, and with every passing hour, the day, the three Dayton Q4 losses look like more and more of just like an astronomical fluke. Ooh, since you bring up VCU and Ace, can we talk about the VCU fans real quick? And just the, yeah. you know, Jacob Gilliard setting the record, they did not take it well. That is one of, look, I'm not going to pick a side here. I'm not trying to say Gilliard's the best defensive player ever. But this is one of the funniest things I've seen is VCU fans just losing their mind and getting so offended. That it's, a, it's really incredible. They're at the same number of career games right now. It's so funny. Right? And you know, it, we'll throw the, I'll throw this out to the VCU fans right now. You know why Jacob Gary's played so many minutes in his career? Because he was awesome as a freshman. Yeah. Well, and, and I get it. Priyante Weber, Weber was good as a freshman too, but like Jacob, Jacob Gilliard was racking up steals as an 18 year old. Well, it, didn't Richmond also really suck when Gilliard was a freshman? Oh, yeah. Like they had no one else. So that's part of it. It's fair. I, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to say Gilliard's the better player or defender. I'm not comparing him like that. But him setting the record in an appropriate amount of games. I think is fine. He lost a bunch of games as a junior and senior because of COVID, and he's getting those back. It's fair. If you spread it out across four seasons, Jacob Gilliard played 32 games a year, which is exactly yeah. what a good team like Richmond would have played because I think he's only missed one game to injury. Now, when he extends the record by like 70 more, okay, that's not going to be the most fair. But as it stands right now, I think he earned it, and I'm happy for him. He's been a great player to watch that we've had the the pleasure of talking about on here for the last four years. So I, I think it's awesome. He did. He's the rightful owner. I said that Richmond lost eight games to COVID last year. That was my projection. He got the record in eight games. There is no asterisk. I'm closing the book on this one. Yeah. All right. I'm glad we brought that up. All right. Yeah, that, that was a good one. Let's go back to our favorite game. Who he play for? I don't think we've done this in almost a year now. Uh, we're gonna do. Time. We're gonna do it transfer edition. I have four guys. Three of them are still playing this year. One of them I'm gonna cheat because it's just such a bizarre one. And he left last year. And I, even though I swear he still has eligibility, I don't know where what the hell happened to him. But you want to start us off. Sure. Do you want me to start with a good player or a, uh, do how go go wherever you want here? All right, we'll start with a really good one. Someone that I saw pop up recently on a team that's been playing well this year. And this guy actually predates the three bid league podcast. But Isaiah Brockington only played one year at St. Bonaventure. 
Do you know where he's at now? He played two years at Penn State, but he used his COVID year. Is he to go at to Iowa State? School. He is, and he's averaging 16 points and seven and a half rebounds. And Iowa State is really good this year. Is it weird that as soon as you said the name, I thought that you said DeMonte Buckingham? No, but is he one of your guys? No. (laughs) I think he's he's left his fourth college by now. I think DeMonte Buckingham, he's literally played college basketball longer than Grant Golden, but doesn't get that same reputation. (laughs) Dang, all right, you got the first one. All right, so my first one, I'll go pretty good here too and it's a painful one uh now he looks like he's playing live as we're recording this so his stats will shift a little bit but sincere carry um just kind of went back home a few hours down the road to kent state 16 points a game five rebounds five assists he's averaging a triple nickel he is the star of a decent golden flashes program right now just to Clearly on track to be all Mac this season. Uh, Kent, 137 and Ken Palm. So pretty decent squad that should have them right around contention for a first round bye in the Mac tournament. All right. Yeah. That's good for Sincere Carey. Yeah, he's playing well. I guess I'll do another one that someone that's playing well this year. Uh, Jamison Battle also went home to Minnesota and he's averaging 18 points a game, which is kind of yeah. wild. Well, and, Minnesota's actually... He could have done that last year if he had real guards. He averaged a lot last year, too, but Minnesota's 7-0. and Like, they're actually... They haven't beaten anybody that good, I don't think, but he's playing well. I mean, we'll see how it translates to the Big Ten. I'm not sure, but he's off to a good start. That was one of the smartest transfers up I've ever seen. Like, yeah. if he was actually getting consistently open last year, those were the games that they were winning. Mm-hmm. And so he realized that if he played with with much better guards, he himself was going to go up. So, All right, what's your next one? I'll see if you remember where he went. Um, <laughs> one of Dr. John's favorite breakout players for this year, who sadly then left the A-10, Demarius Jacobs. He's also in the MAC, isn't he? I think he went to Ball State. He is a Ball State. Um his stats looked a little disappointing until I realized they're basically all career highs for him. 7.3 points a game, three and a half rebounds, and two and a half assists a game for him. Um, he is he started five of seven games so far, about 24 minutes a game. So kind of playing a similar role to what he was doing at SLU, basically the last starter in the rotation. Um yeah, Demaris Jacobs just kind of kind of hanging around. All right, good for him. Yeah, I wish he stayed at St. Louis because he was playing really well at the beginning of last year, so that's a good one. All right, I have two more. I will be wildly impressed if you get either of these. So maybe I went a little bit too obscure, but the first one, I'm, I'm going with Billy Lang's first point forward. Not Jordan Hall, but Miles Douglas. He got a lot of hype when he came into the A-10. Holy hell, he still has eligibility? Yeah, where do you think he's playing? (laughs) I can give you a conference if you want. I'll say he went back to Florida. And I'm going to say that he is at Jacksonville University. No, he's at Morgan State. I don't even know where that is, but... Virginia. Okay. 
Uh, my I, other field, my other guess was Florida A and M. So if you'd given me conference, it would not have helped. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, who's your next? Nothing. One? No stats or anything. Oh, I think he's played like four games. It looks like he got hurt. I I didn't type out his stats. They they weren't very good though. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I'll give you credit if you can even get the geographic region on this one pj bird did he play for vcu yeah the the man who looked like a potential successor to the point guard job after marcus evans um surprisingly transferred after his freshman year and probably wisely so because i don't think just gonna go out on a limb i don't think he would have outplayed bones highland for that backup job the next year probably not I have no idea. I feel like he went to like I want to say he went to like Colorado State, but that seems way too good. He did, but he is Whoa. not there anymore. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know the third school, but I'll guess. Uh, can you give me a conference? He's in the SWAC. Oh God. Um. Oh, is he on uh, Texas Southern? Who just won tonight against Florida? Uh, Texas Southern did just win tonight. They are in the SWAC, but you went one word too far. P.J. Bird is the starting point guard at Southern, playing 27 minutes a game, putting up a modest 8.6 points, but he is shooting 43% on low volume from three, three and a half assists a game. Nice. I I feel like he was a kind of like – hot recruit coming into VCU and it just didn't really work out for I him. I think so. he was a four-star and he always showed some yeah, good, good athleticism and defensive prowess. Yeah. All right. Good for him. All right. My last one, my first question is going to be who did he play for in the A-10? Because I like barely remembered him. Uh, Trey Wood. That was the old backup center for UMass, right? Backup point guard at UMass. All right. School though. I'm I'm thinking of Stephen Wood, who went to Duquesne for a year in, like, 2009. (laughs) Could be. I do not know that name. But anyway, Trey Wood, where do you think he played for? And there is a UMass connection here, sort of, as a hint. Wait, where does Pat Kelsey – is he at College of Charleston with Pat Kelsey? No, he's at Long Island with Derek Kellogg. (laughs) (laughs) So, wrong UMass ex-coach then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ex-coach. That's true. Pat Kelsey is an ex-coach, I guess. I, all I have on Trey Wood, I mean, his stats have gone up since last year. His offensive rating is up to a modest 63.7, so a little bit up from 61.6 last year on a good trajectory. But, man, I remember Trey Wood like as a super random flashback. He had like nine assists in his second college game, and I was like pronouncing him – rookie team on like our third podcast ever uh i don't really know what happened to him i kind of forgot about him until i looked him up tonight all right so we'll close it out um also quick shout out ed crosswell who basically just destroyed rhode island (laughs) but he's at providence that's not that hard to figure out if you watch that game on saturday um this one i'm cheating because He's not playing this year, even though he's only spent three years in college basketball. Um, But I was just so amazed that I unearthed him. Where did Jason Douglas Stanley play last season? 
I think I know. I think he went to the Jaspers. He, he played for was, Manhattan. He was at Manhattan. Put up 6.3 points a game in 21 and a half minutes. Um, That's not bad. There is, no, there is nothing noting what happened to him. He's not on their roster. I don't know if he dropped out of school. I don't know if he's at like a D2 school, but yeah. Jason Douglas Stanley missing to the college basketball world. Dang. Yeah, he he went to Mason, right? I remember where he transferred. Yep. I'm forgetting. Okay, I thought so. And uh, since neither of us took him, I assumed we would. Frankie Policelli, eight points a game this year for Stony Brook. Not bad. Frankie Buckets, eight points a game. All right. Well, that was fun. That was good to go down memory lane, look at some some notable Bay 10 players and some others that only the two of us are going to remember. But that's cool that most of them are still having successful careers in college basketball. So wishing them all the best. That's it's fun to look that stuff up. Yeah, and you know we hit on we hit on some of the more bizarre. Um, there's some good there's some good A10 transfers who we're gonna see in March. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned, Jamison Battles playing great. We could see one of those Mac guys. Um, Marcus Weathers is putting up eleven and six and a half for SMU. We're gonna see them very 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 soon. Um, that guy is given Dayton some nightmares when they don't have Trey Landers on the team. We'll see if he can again on Wednesday. Um, but just plenty of interesting transfers around the board. Yeah. Trey Mitchell at Texas. Yeah. Kellen Grady. Kellen Grady. Um, I would say Jacob Toppin too, but Jacob Toppin just doesn't even play for play at Kentucky at this point. Um, I would say Fats I Russell. I think he's still on Maryland's the bench, a, but he, he's not on he the plays. court. A little bit. I would say Fats, but Maryland's – turned into a dumpster fire the last Maryland's like, basically an A-10 school because they've played like nine games against teams in this conference so far and they're a dumpster fire so yeah pretty much but yeah too bad for Fats I, I don't think he got what he thought he was signing up for so I hope they turn it around a little bit yeah we shall see that's where they're at where we're at Apple Spotify Google anywhere you get your podcasts If you've enjoyed the show and you use Apple, be sure to give us five stars or even four. We'll take four. That's good. means we're doing at least something right. If you got any comments on the pod, good or bad, ways we can do better, things we've been doing well, segments that suck, segments that you want us to bring back, you can shoot us a message. It's at our Twitter handle, at the number three bid league pod. Or you can send us an email, three bid league at gmail.com. And we're going to close out with this. We did get a message. We did get a fan message. A shout out to Richmond fan Alex Lucking, longtime fan of the pod, who wrote in to tell us that he is officially on for the fight against VCU Tory in the pool under Tom Guller Arena, and that he will never respect St. Bonaventure, despite Little Bona X and their basketball team, because he hates the cross country team up in Olean. And he made sure to mention Olean. I don't know if he wants to start the Olean Allegheny War on Twitter, because that's Ooh. the only thing that's that's the only fight that's not being fought right now. But Alex, thanks for thanks for your message and thanks for listening to the pod. Good luck against Tory in the poll. <laughs>